Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, y'all? Welcome to Why the Cast, man. Why the Cast, man? Why the Cast, man? That's what we want to know here on our Why the Last Man podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 9 of Why the Last Man on FX on Hulu, named Peppers. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. We're in real time running a little late on this one. But, hey, that's okay. If you're listening to it later, none of this that I'm talking about right now matters. Regardless, go watch the episode because we're going to spoil it because tons of stuff goes down in this week's episode. Wild, wild things over with Yorick355 and Allison. They're kind of figuring out how to live in this new community Maybe or yeah. wrestling up some old romantic entanglements. I what guess. is that? What you? How you talk about romance? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to get a lasso around it. Yeehaw! I say. Wow, real cowboy poetry over here. <laughs> Tell you what, if I was in Why the Last Man World, I'd be first one to go, and everybody'd be like, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giddy up, Cupid! It's time to rustle up some romantic entanglements. So that's going on with him. Also with the Amazons, they are going a wild on a. I don't even know if it's community so much as a swap meet that is paying tribute to men. Yeah. There's a lot of friction between Nora and Roxanne this episode after they teamed up the last time that we saw them. So that's surprising. and certainly something I think we can dig into a little bit. But the biggest stuff is stay for Washington, where huge things go down this episode. <sighs> Not only does Regina finally make her move and reveal to everybody that Yorick is alive and try to do a good old coup on Jennifer. Yeah. But as that happens, Beth's group attacks Blows a hole in the Pentagon. The people outside, presumably, we don't really get to see them, but the people outside presumably break into the Pentagon, the people that have been waiting outside the fence. There's a lot of deaths, including Regina's. Ultimately, by the end of the episode, Kimber is with Christine. 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 I don't know why I keep forgetting her name. Uh, Kimber is with Christine. Jennifer is with Beth. Beth knows that Yorick is alive. And not only that, uh, everybody potentially seems to be convening on the same place or at least heading towards the same place by the end of the episode. So lots of stuff going down here, but here's something I'd love to start with first. Hmm. There's a lot of things going on in this episode, but at the very least, the Yorick portions were very funny. Yeah. Like, uh, I know we've talked about the humor on the show a lot and how it works for who Yorick or not, but I think this is the first episode where I really laughed out loud at a couple of lines where that part of the show, at least, I think they've really developed the humor very nicely. Yeah, and I think it really works in this episode because everything else is so intense. Mm-hmm. And it's all about him, especially um, in the Washington stuff. It's like, we have to get him. How did you keep this secret? Everyone is so wound up and people are losing their lives. And then we cut back to York and he's like, so um, what do you think about this? And like, he's in <laughs> such a, he's in the eye of the storm. And it's such a calm, like, happy 
part of his adventure. And so, yeah, I agree with you. This was fun. And this was the first time we saw Yorick in 355 with the whole dancing bit at the beginning of the episode where I was like, oh, maybe she's not faking it here. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I felt like she wasn't playing Yorick. I think so, too, that I wrote down a bunch of that sequence, but they're dancing to No Scrubs. Yes, and which great banger. song. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, very funny song to be playing in the Nomad Apocalypse as well. Very ironic there. And she, he says, you want to dance and then starts dancing and to 355, can you dance? And she says, can you? Which made me laugh. And then there's like an aside as the camera moves away and focuses on um, uh, the lady who has a crush on Yorick, clearly, or some sort of yep. designs on Yorick, where he, in the background, he's like, oh, my God, is this our song? Which, yeah. again, made me laugh out loud. Very funny. Like, I think there is something going on between them. And at the very least, there's a level of trust there. Particularly with the dark stuff going on with 355, it's nice to see her smiling and enjoying herself. And I think that yeah. comes naturally. And we still don't know what it is. But throughout this episode, we see her sort of slipping in and out of the present day and going in and out of like sort of a almost fugue state when it comes to her training um, and the early part of parts of her life. And I feel like that is probably why she's able to be sort of herself in front of Yorick here with Yorick. I think her or whatever her programming is that made her this great agent is falling away. And so she actual personality is popping out. So I definitely think it's related. And I thought her stuff was super understated in an episode where so much was happening, but a really big step forward for the character. Yeah, I think to jump over to the stuff with 355, where we get to see her trainer, like we've speculated, she was clearly in some sort of Black Widow-style program. It seems like maybe her parents died and she was adopted into this program. They trained yeah. her to be a killer. Some really intense stuff happened there. Ultimately, at the end of the episode, she ends up smashing the tracker or whatever it is. So it certainly seems like she's making the decision to stay with Yorick, stay with Allison, not pursue this thing, move on like you're talking about. But my guess is, and this obviously ties into the fact that the show was canceled, but it feels to me like they're playing the long game with this one. We'll yeah. potentially find out more about it in the season finale, but I can't imagine we're also going to have 355's former boss show up next episode. That seems right. like something about the Culper Ring that we would find out about long-term, potentially. Season six. Mm -hmm. Season six. Looking forward to that. Can't wait to watch. I can't wait. It all happened up here in our brains. Mm -hmm. um, man, that No Scrubs really crushes at this party, too. I Like, truly everyone is dancing. Everyone's, like, working, but also dancing. And another thing I liked about this opening scene is Ampersand is really being, we get to see him moving a little bit. And that I was like, yes, that that reminded me of the comic so well. And it was nice to just see Ampersand for that little moment. I mean, we already established this is Marcel the monkey from Friends, but it's also very clearly a CGI monkey throughout here. So I I have to imagine to save budget a little bit. They're using Ampersand very sparingly where they can. Not to mention, it's hard to train a monkey. You know this. I know this. We don't need to tell our podcast listeners this, but... It is. Yeah, I had my trained monkey um, set up, which was also Marcel from Friends, mm -hmm. set up the my podcasting stuff. Um, yes. As usual. That's and I actually am Marcel from Friends wearing a human <laughs> suit, but we don't like to. That's true. <laughs> well, and you know, Marcel, of course, Marcel's going to like make the, have the CGI, put in the CGI monkey because he's a diva. Mm -hmm. That's a monkey. That's the most famous monkey. They couldn't get him out of his trailer most of the shoot. That's why they had to get canceled, actually, is because Marcel was such a nightmare and charging so much money. 
And monkey trailers are uh, they're so they're very tiny, so they're very actually harder, more expensive to build. Right. Everything's got to be small for their little hands. Yeah, you have to build a whole factory to create the same parts but smaller, and that's a yeah. tiny factory. Yeah, and that factory is also staffed by a bunch of monkeys. Wow. <laughs> We're learning a lot of facts this episode. The facts. party was called a happy fucking Saturday party versus the last episode we had the fuck it party, right? Was that yeah. what it was called? Yeah. So. I, in a post-apocalypse, after an apocalypse, swearing off the charts. <laughs> Absolutely. Decorum, off the charts and gone. Disgusting. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Clean it up in there. But yeah, so greatest hits playing. We got a little 50 cent playing right before the no scrubs. That was nice. There, oh, there was also a very funny exchange at the beginning where Yorick's talking about racism and he whispers the word racism and yeah. Allison calls him out on it. Yeah. Just fun stuff. I was very surprised. A lot of fun stuff. Yeah. What I, I, I'm doing a terrible job with the names on this show, but the woman who has designs on Yorick, do you think she just is like, it's a man, or do you think she wants something more out of it? Is there something calculated there? Uh, it's, it's hard to tell. I sort of think it is the she saw him and connected with him. It feels like a genuine connection. The York seems to like her. And I think she's like, I want to be I want to have a boyfriend or have mm-hmm. the last man friend or whatever. Why however last, you want to say the last boyfriend. Yeah, um, that it doesn't seem I don't know what her nefarious. It feels like a lot of people here, like we've talked about, it's almost the anti Walking Dead community. Mm-hmm. They seem like they genuinely do just want to hang out. And they're not like secretly eating people or whatever. So I sort of take that with her as well. She's like, I like him and I want to keep him here. Yeah, I can see that. She does have this exchange with this character, Dominique, who Allison decides to go after later on. That seems, again, like there's something more behind it. But like you're saying, it might be as simple as the last man on Earth is a commodity and they need to keep him there. So there might be genuine liking, but also, hey, he's shown interest in you. It is your job to keep him here because this gives us a step up over everybody else in the entire world. This gives us leverage. So like him, have a good time, have sex with him, whatever you're going to do, but make sure he doesn't leave uh, because we need him here. It might be that. Yeah. And it's funny, Yorick doesn't seem to be thinking about that at all. He mm-hmm. doesn't seem, we have, we're not in his head a lot. The, the last couple episodes, including this one, we get to just see him, like you said, being fun and, and funny. But we don't know, it, the gravity of the situation seems to have faded off him. Like the exchange where mm-hmm. he's like, he has the joint that he got and he's like giddy about it and doesn't seem concerned with anything. So I feel like that'll change back in the next episode. And we're going to really get zoom in on his perspective as everyone mm-hmm. closes in on him. Well, particularly because he started as a guy who eschewed all responsibility. He didn't know what he wanted to do in his life. He suddenly had this great purpose thrust upon him and we've watched him up until reaching this community grow into that very, very slowly by, you know, generously 15 to 20% at this point. But this is a big step backwards. You know, he has realized, oh, they're going to take care of me. They're going to give me food. We have parties every day. This is great. All this stuff that I was worried about can just go away and I could just hang here and have a nice time. That said, I do think there is a moment here where we do – He does realize what's happening with this woman. He realizes that he's getting closer to her and throws something else out in there in the middle of their conversation to kind of throw a wrench between the feelings between them. And that 
that feels purposeful to me. Yeah, uh, I I think so. But like we have one episode left, like how far I, I, something is going to blow up here. And I don't mean that in the same way as it did in Washington, this episode. So either an emotional, like a big emotional move or like the community will will be shattered by by yeah. what's happening, by them being there. And it also, just to get back to this moment, a couple of funny things that happened there. So she's lotioning his hands. She says, your hands are disgusting. He says, yeah, it's the apocalypse. Um, lotions up his hands a little bit. And the, the thing that he does to ruin it, this might also just be a legitimate concern because he doesn't know what kind of criminal she is necessarily. So right. he asks her about that and she kind of explains what happened, the backstory of this community that – Yes, they were all different kinds of criminals, but ultimately it was the guards who locked them in there when everything happened. They came out. They didn't kill anybody. They didn't take over the community. They weren't bad people. They were bad people at one point, potentially, but what they did to take over wasn't bad. So uh, this might be not so much him backing away because of, say, his relationship with Beth, for example. It could be as simple as, like, I don't want to hook up with a serial killer, you know? Right. Um, well, I got bad news for <laughs> for everybody, really. <laughs> yes. Should we jump over to – who should we talk about first? Why don't we talk about Nora and yeah, – Nora Hero. Yeah, Nora Hero. Um, what did you think about this whole sequence? Because to me, it felt like a wild turn for the last episode just in terms of the dynamic. It was not what I was expecting. Well, I agree with you. Um, I do think some time has passed here. Um, it feels like, especially with this storyline, like it seems like um, things have progressed because Hero is like fully like a zealot of Roxanne and likes the power that she has. And Nora is now went from being like, I got this new job. I'm boosting up um, Roxanne and, and making her uh, feel powerful to Nora hates Roxanne again and is like, this is wrong and going very poorly. Um, and also we learned that they're, they ran out of food. They've been wandering. Like I think uh, enough time passed that I buy the personality changes here with Hero and Nora. I guess. Yeah, maybe Hero and Nora. Maybe it was Roxanne that threw me a little bit because she's just a loose cat in this entire episode, smashing things and not listening to Nora about anything and kind of doing what she wants. Granted, the rest of the Amazons are doing it too, which leads to that great line about – uh, what she says something like "stay away from the fucking corn pops" or something like that. Yeah, Nora, don't touch the fucking corn pops. Yes, again, cursing, very foul language from all of these yeah. people. But uh, it felt like a little bit much from Roxanne because we had this setup of her being this leader with Nora behind her, and that immediately falls apart. It felt to me, it felt like we needed an episode between there. I guess they didn't necessarily have time. But it felt like we needed an episode between there of things developing, maybe Roxanne starting to show a little bit of that recklessness, but getting the power. But here it was just all in right from the beginning. I didn't mind it as much because I feel like this trajectory was there for me. Like Nora gives her power and she doesn't have to keep her secret necessarily anymore because Nora's doing that and is managing her. So she can just be (laughs) do whatever she wants. She doesn't have responsibility in the same way where she's like keeping track of everyone because they're all in line because of the new like Mm -hmm. vibe and the new philosophy that they've put out there. So I sort of bought that she's fully off the chain um, and 
they become this like raiding party, violent, aggressive hero is like loving it uh, seemingly here. Um, and at watching the episode, I feel like the way I chalked it up with her buying in so hard is this is what she's always wanted from her mom is this mm-hmm. sort of like you are good. And Roxanne gives her that like you are your impulses are right. Let's go wreck some stuff. And she it seems like she's sort of addicted to that feeling. Well, and then we have that turn three quarters of the way through the episode where it turns out Roxanne told everybody that Hero killed her boyfriend or the guy she was sleeping with or whatever you want to yeah. call it, which you can see Hero's face completely fall there. Nora, and I thought that this was an interesting reversal for Nora from the previous episode with her where she tried to appeal to both Sam and Hero the wrong way and they're both like, get out of here, leave me alone, yeah. you're terrible. This time, Nora does actually have a foothold, does have some power, she is on the way up here and does actually say the right thing to Hero in this situation, even if Hero is initially confused about the story, her getting to the moral there of saying Roxanne is not worthy of your trust, it puts that crack there and I think ultimately sets up Nora to lead this group long term as it feels like what we're heading towards, potentially. Well, yeah, but also – so the we leave them with Nora being pissed at Roxanne and because she just wants to go hunt and kill – Men, the maybe men that are out there. And Nora it, sees this woman that we see earlier in the episode who has seen Yorick. Um, her sister was shot by 355 in the knee in that scene um, and tells her about, tells her about Yorick. And so she, so Nora takes the flyer and gives it to Roxanne as like bait. Let's go to this community where they have electricity, which is our prison community. Um, so I don't know what, is Nora's intention to bring Roxanne there and then stay behind? But when she knows that Roxanne's going to trash it. I I think part of it, at least, is Nora understanding that there are resources there. There's electricity. There's a place they can live. There's a place they can stay. Potentially, she only has the first part of a multi-part plan, and she hasn't really figured out the rest. She's going to improvise as she goes, which is essentially what she's been doing. But she knows she needs to get there because that is potentially a place they can stay, whether she believes that there really is a man there or not. The other thing that occurs to me is she might not be positioning herself to lead. She might be positioning Hero to lead once Roxanne is taken down in some way, whether it's Nora killing Roxanne or Hero killing Roxanne or something like that. Yeah, it may, that I just the the plan that was presented because I don't think she believes that there's a man. Right. I don't think she believes she just wants to lure their group over to this nice place. But that's all we know. We don't know anything else. So I don't think she can yet trust Hero to turn completely on Roxanne. So is Nora planning on just shooting Roxanne as soon as they get there, and then instantly being like, "Hey, mean I'm in charge now, and we're going to be much calmer." Uh, I I don't think she would be in charge, but there has been a lot of focus on Nora using weapons throughout this season from her very first scene where the president is like, come on, have you ever picked up a gun? And she says, no. So that might be a almost literal Chekhov's gun in the season where she has started off never shooting a gun, never killing anybody, not ever being involved in violence. The place we leave her in episode 10 is ultimately she does take that gun and does kill Roxanne, bringing her sort of full circle by the end. That could be. I will say, though, we got another scene of that exact thing happening 
in this mm. episode. Yes. So it would it'd be weird if we also saw Nora be like, bang, ah, I, that was uncomfortable when that just happened here um, and the Washington side of things. So I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe she is setting up Hero. I just think that's going to be a that's no guarantee that Hero is going to step up over Roxanne's corpse or do the killing herself. Yeah. But, is she going to be like, you killed your boyfriend. Roxanne has taken that role. Now you have to kill her. It's like, it feels crazy. to. to I could see that. in the chaos as, and now we're just getting into raw speculation here, which I guess we've been doing for a while, but Roxanne comes Our in and starts lives. wrecking the town in that chaos. Nora takes out Roxanne when she starts to go too far and says, we have a gap. Hero, you need to step up. You need to be the leader of this group. You're the only one who can do it. How that works into clearly, like you've speculated a lot, clearly in this last episode, there is no way they get around Hero and Yorick not coming face to face here, which yeah. changes and influences a lot of things. And I don't know how that will change this particular dynamic at all. I mean, there's a chance we're going to get um, Hero, Yorick, ev- everyone, Hero, yeah. Yorick, Beth, <laughs> Jen, Brown, everybody just like showing up being like, hey, fam. What's yep. up, fam? Maybe they'll all take one of his appendages and just start pulling, and they'll do like mm. one of those classic drawn and quartered things. Yeah, like, he's mine, be... he's mine, he's mine. Oh, popped his limbs off. Yeah, um, and the the lesson will be: you should give up the baby. Is that Solomon? Or are you thinking Solomon? I now? think that's that's what it is. Right? <laughs> okay, yeah. Solomon, they pull the baby in half with their bare heads, right? Solomon's That's like, what hey, I give, me your, give me your baby. I'm going to rip your baby in half. I'm so strong. The Bible I read was, is that in the Bible? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not quite sure either. So this storyline, I did want to ask you one other thing, though. The thing that this swap meet is built around is a hall of voices for men. Yeah. Which all seems to be just random voicemail messages that they left right. for people. What voicemail message would you leave behind in the voices of the lost it would be me with a lot of noise behind be like no i'm i'm at the bar are you uh are you outside or do you do you need me to come out or can you come in or because i you know i i, I can't hear you because i'm just i'll get a um i, I guess a, a a gin and tonic that's what i think mine would be oh man that would be great i could just picture your wife and daughter sobbing and going we miss him so much <laughs> they'd be like you know what we're fine <laughs> we're probably good. for the best we're good i don't know the last voice message i left i guess it would be like hey this is alex give me a call back <laughs> uh that's that sounds good that sounds legit yeah. fortunately we got it recorded right here we could just make oh, sure great. we could clip I mean, I it guess out here be all our podcasts <laughs> wow sad cop women's colony that has to listen to us talk about yeah, our sp- Christ, very specific opinions krypton again <laughs> oh my god deep cut people don't even remember that show existed at this point yeah. so let's jump into the big one and talk about everything that goes down in washington because there are wild huge swings in this episode how did you feel about this storyline as a whole because there's so much going on I mean, um, I liked uh, – this goes for the whole episode. Like this episode was a lot of big swings and just so much going on, epitomized in the Washington storyline here. And I I liked it because what I like about this show is time is passing between episodes and they're allowing the characters to get – to heighten in that time to the point where everything physically and emotionally blows up in this Washington storyline. One thing we had talked about before, Amber Tamblyn did this interview where she talked about how Kimber 
was a mix between Megan McCade and the Joker. I'd definitely gotten Megan McCade before this. This episode was 100% the Joker, particularly the scenes in the basement where she's talking to uh, Christine about her baby. Nuts. Just like completely unhinged. 100%. 100%. And it's also funny that the, she, Amber Tamlin said that the, the actual Megan McCain has become more like the Joker as well. Well, she started wearing that makeup and dancing on stairs if you yeah. saw the video. That's, no, believe me, I live in New York. She's dancing yeah. up and down the steps all day. All time, Every all staircase, time. I'm like, oh, here comes Megan oh, again. Here she comes. Uh-oh, here comes Megan. That's what my um, bumper sticker says. But I like, I mean, everyone was sort of like, haha, my plan is coming to fruition. Both Jen Brown, everything, like everyone's plans just came completely unraveled. And everyone was like, I did not anticipate this. And I am now very bad at my job. (laughs) Uh, And that's what happens to everybody to the point where the Regina arc, especially, I thought was great. When she flips, I was like, as soon as she started talking, I was like, someone's going to shoot her. No way she's walking out of this scene. Well, Uh, I do love that they've talked about her as this crazy conspiracy theorist straight out of our current government with several people who have been elected there, so not too far from the truth, but that pretty much the entire time we've seen her, she's been very even, very muted, allowing Kimber to do most of the talking. But to the point that you're saying, her very last moments are the ravings of a crazy person where she's about to say, like, chemtrails are causing these things and whatever else. And, yeah, it it was a great way of taking her out. I am surprised they took her out so quickly because it seemed like it was heading in the direction of her taking over the government. But instead, even though Beth's group does a terrible job of it, it seems like they have very effectively taken down the U.S. government by the end of this episode. Yeah, I think the government, I mean, the military uh, leader woman is the only one sort of with power at the end of the episode. Um, Like Jen Brown, it leaves, presumably leaves Washington with Beth. Um, A couple advisors definitely got shot there that were higher up. Um, Kimber is with Christine. It doesn't seem like she wants power anymore. Uh, So I I do think. She just wants her baby. She's she's, like like classic fat bastard. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That's definitely what um, the people are thinking. Um, But uh, I do think that uh, that I especially that scene like that. People telling the truth made things worse. Like Regina reveals her true true self mm-hmm. in that moment, and then she's the, her last words were the true statement about York that he's alive, and she gets shot. Yeah, uh, Jen Brown comes clean after she's caught with everybody, and just like I'll just tell you the truth, uh, and that r- pulls her out of the presidency. Um, and I thought that was a sort of an interesting lesson to walk away with. Yeah. Ultimately, though, do you think? that anybody other than Jennifer and Beth believe that Yorick is alive at this point. Because that's something that I think, given the chaos, given the people that die, given everything that goes down, it's distinctly possible that everybody has chalked that up to the ravings of Regina, who is now dead, and that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I think Kimber believes it. Right. That's true. Kimber believes it. There's certainly a bunch of members of the army. There's that general who, I, yep. like you said, I think is still alive. So she probably believes and She's it. in charge, I yeah. think. So we might see a situation where Jennifer and Beth, like you're saying, head off after Yorick. 
because they obviously both have their own personal connections to him, but also the U.S. government, which maybe now is a military government, is like priority number one is finding that man and bringing him back. Yeah. Um, but I, and also, like, I'm not all like all this chaos is happening. And President Brown at the beginning of this episode is in there talking with Christine about food and like feels like she's like, I'm just doing what I want and doesn't know the storm that's brewing around her or she's not ready for it anyway. Yeah. So like she and she did lie. She was like she lied for, quote unquote, the right reasons. But it, it, that's what got her what opened up the door to this chaos as well. Yeah. Also, there's a point that's brought up in the argument when they're deposing her, which is that she should have sent the entire army. <laughs> I think Kimber brings that up. And Kimber is yeah. not wrong. Like sending, 100%. sending him with one person is a bad idea. There's reasons that she did it, but ultimately like – Ultimately, she is clearly a good person. She is better suited to be the president than anybody else. But at the same time, she made a mistake and pay for it is the wrong word. But and certainly Kimber and Regina should not have been put in charge, but she didn't need to go down for it because she did the wrong thing ultimately. Yeah. And honestly, she like she is the only real leader in all of these people. Um, and it, as soon as things go out of whack, all of her advisors are all very bad at being in charge. Yeah. Um, but they do a great job of like Kimber being right at points. Like she, like you just said, she was right when she said you sent your son, the only man by by one person out into the world to Boston. And then you don't even know where she, he is now. And she doesn't. And like that was, that is a bad plan. And she, because she couldn't deal with the fact that maybe she'd be accused of uh, causing the, um, the the pandemic or whatever that killed all the men. So it's like everyone gets to be wrong and only a couple people get to be right on this show. And I think that I really like that. That's very rare, I think, in a lot of shows. Yeah. Before we start to wrap up here, any other notes from the episode that you'd like to call out? Um, yes. I l- really liked um, once the rebels have taken over and – they're like, all right, tell us what's up. And no one says anything. And then President Brown is like, okay, uh, come talk to me. Let everyone go. And then Regina's like, I'm in charge. And she's like, you don't even know anything about this job. What are you talking? <laughs> you don't even know what being in charge is. I thought that was such a great chaotic way to show the power chase is such a waste at this point. Like Regina wants mm. power just because she wants power. And she takes, tries to take power there, and they're like, your skills are useless. I don't care if you're started being in charge now. That does, that's meaningless. I'm here for resources. Yeah, I do um, love how much, and I know we touched on this earlier, but I love how quickly that falls apart with Beth's group. That yeah. they're like, we got this plan. We're going to take down the government. And they get there, and the government has already completely fallen apart. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, very funny and, and a cool way to tell it. And also another comparison I wanted to make between Hero and Beth, the sort of two women that are closest to York. Hero um, is, you know, she got in trouble for doing something. She's feeling the stress of uh, having committed a violent act. Um, and then she sort of embraces this violence, embraces this thing. Beth on the completely opposite side is like, I'm going to go do some violent stuff. And then when it happens, she's like, Oh, I'm in way too deep here. I don't want this. Yeah. And it's interesting. We're seeing those, assuming we're going to get to see both of them interact with York and sort of be important to him going forward. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Yeah, I think like we already established, there's going to be some sort of drawn and quartered type situation, but I guess we'll see right. what happens. 100% definitely. Uh, I did like the moment with the bikini shirt when uh, that gets thrown to 355. Fun, fun yeah. stuff there. Fun also, stuff, yeah. I really liked the line when – oh, gosh, I'm completely missing it here. The the one when 355 is making a sandwich and the woman comes up and starts talking to uh, her – yeah, and she picks out the knife, and the woman's like, "Oh, am I the sandwich?" Yeah, I know that woman was trolling three five five to the point I was like, "Yo, lady, she <laughs> yeah, she was she... doing wind sprints by herself <laughs> in the dirt, the pebbly dirt road that's gonna hurt her little feet." Like yeah. she doesn't give a fuck. But <laughs> good lines throughout this episode. I thought it was really yeah. well written, very chaotic. Yeah, like but literally and figuratively. But at the same time, I like the big swings that they made here. And it, but it felt like a controlled chaos, and it felt like mm-hmm. the storylines were sort of speaking to each other in an interesting way. At least I thought that. Uh, I drew connections there between them, even though it felt like they were all going to rattle off the trail, the train tracks at any point. It felt really um, deliberate and good. And this show continues to get better. I feel like and more unique as it goes on, and that only makes the news of the cancellation sting all the more. Before we wrap up here, who's the man? Who's the man in this week's episode, Justin? Who the man? Uh, there's a lot of uh, power players here in this episode. Um, I mean, the character I was most excited to watch um, as she went through the many, many changes um, of this episode was Kimber. And, and I think Kimber mm-hmm. just, as a character, is one of the more unique characters on TV, able to do be both a truth teller and one of the more wildly unaged Joker-esque characters on TV. And that's hard to pull off. So shouts to Amber Tamblin and Kimber. I'm going to throw it out to Nora. Now that we finally got her purpose on the show, I'm really digging what the actress is doing here. I think there were some good moves here. I like seeing her on an upswing instead of on a constant downswing over the course of the past seven, eight episodes or so. And uh, it's good. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with this Amazon storyline. It's been developing nicely in interesting ways. So should be fascinating to see how it all pans out in the last episode of the season and potentially the last episode of the show. Wow. Uh, heartbreaker. Our podcast will continue, as we said. Oh, absolutely. We're not going to be drawn and quartered. Just York. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Why the Last Man. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, why the cast, man? Why the cast, man? Why the cast, man?